Varevces, and welcome to Talking Vartan, the Knights and Daughters of Vartan podcast. I'm Osped David Medzori in Avaradat Lodge number one in Boston, and I'm happy to welcome you to our 12th program as we mark our podcast's first anniversary. We began, you may recall, with a profile of my own Aradat Lodge as well as Arpiotiag here in Boston. And in the last 12 months, we've talked to knights and daughters from across the country, from sea to shining sea. We've also reported from the Grand Convocation in Las Vegas, and what fun that was. Speaking of Grand Convocations, we'll all recall with great fondness the recent 2018 Grand Convocation in Dearborn, Michigan. Now, the men and women of Nareg Shavashan No. 6 and Zabel Otiag No. 12 know a little something about that, for they were our hosts for that grand event. Most recently, Nareg Shavashan Lodge marked its centennial, while Zabel Otiag celebrated its 70th birthday. Today, I'd like you to meet the commander and the matron of the Detroit area Knights and Daughters. Didui Lisa Aglamishian joined the Daughters of Vartan when she turned 21 in 2009. Born in Topeka, Kansas, she was raised in Farmington Hills, Michigan. Her parents were both leaders of their respective lodges, Nakin Sparabed Sarkis and Nakin Didui Sylvia Aglamishian. Didui Lisa is now in her second and final term as matron of Zabelotiag, and tonight she's joining us from her home in Auburn Hills. Sparabed Kazar Teterian is a native of Michigan, born in Highland Park, close to St. John's Armenian Church. He was raised and went to school in Detroit. He joined the Knights of Vartan in 1981 and served as Sparabed twice, the first time with Nareg Lodge No. 32 when he was 37. This was before the merge with the Shavashan Lodge. He became Sparabed of Nareg Shavashan Lodge No. 6 in 2019, and he hopes to continue in that role for another year. Sparabed Tatarian joins me tonight from Rochester Hills, a northern suburb of Detroit. Didui Lisa Aglamishian and Sparabed Kazar Tertarian, welcome to the Talking Vartan podcast. It's a pleasure to have you both. Thank you, David. Pleasure being here. Thank you for having us. The pleasure is all mine. Introduce us before we get started to the Armenian community of Michigan and, and tell us a little bit about how close-knit a community it is and how, in fact, that helps or hinders, for that matter, the work of the Knights and Daughters of Vartan. Spotted, I'll start with you. The Armenian community here in Detroit is uh, unique in that we're isolated from everyone. The nearest city, which has the Armenian population, maybe Chicago or Cleveland, that's where we're like an island onto ourselves. And uh, in our Detroit metro area, we have 30,000 Armenians, and we have come uh, to learn to work with one another. There are four distinct different Armenian churches. We have St. John's Armenian Church, which is Echmazagan Church. We have Subsarkis, which is affiliated with the Cilician Church. Then we have uh, we have St. Barton's, it's Armenian Catholic Church, and we have the Armenian Congregation. And each of the four churches works hand-in-hand with one another, though we are a diverse group, but we are a united group. Uh, and, I, and I believe that the um, parishioners of these, of these various churches have the same beliefs, and that's why our college is, com- is comprised of members of all, from all four churches. We have a very loving relationship with one another, uh, and though there are some differences uh, from my political points of view, but uh, aside from that, 
uh, we are on the same page with everything else. Dear Dewey, Lisa, that diversity is the same in the Daughters of Arts on there as well, I'm assuming. I would say it is. Most of our sisters are all from different areas and different churches. So we are a diverse community. But in my opinion, the Armenian community is very consolidated. We all pretty much live closely together. We're all in the Metro Detroit area. So I always joke around that we're all 30 minutes away from each other. So is it fair to say that you knew many of your sisters in the Daughters of Vartan even before you became a daughter of Vartan, that these are not strangers to you? Absolutely. So even though we go to different churches, um, since I grew up in the community, I grew up with the Knights and Daughters of Vartan, I would say I call most of them aunt and uncle. So I definitely knew what I was joining and who I was joining with. And instead of calling them aunt and uncle, now I call them sisters and brothers. We've been here for so long. We've been able to have great grandmothers, grandmothers, mothers, and their daughters all join. So it really is a family organization where I've seen other Otiags and and they're very new, which is great. But what makes me happy about double Otiag is the tradition. And uh, we pass down our membership. So we have a lot of legacies. So you have and, a, lo- uh, a lot of multi-generations uh, in, in the group. I'm assuming in both of your groups, there are you know, mothers, daughters, grandmothers all together. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's really nice when, when they're all at the same meeting. So whenever we do have an initiation, we allow that great-grandmother, grandmother, or mother to initiate their, their daughter and granddaughter. So it's it's definitely an emotional service that we have. So I think that is definitely one of the most beautiful parts of our organization. How wonderful is that? Let me ask both of you this question, and this is a question that I ask of the leadership of all of the different uh, Talijas and Otiags that I speak to. What was it about the mission and the message of either, respectively, the Knights or Daughters of Vartan that inspired you to join in the first place and then later to assume a position of leadership? Spadabed, uh, let me start with you. Well, I joined the Knights of Vartan at the age of 28. I had uh, been exposed to um, the Knights of Vartan via my dad. He was a member of the Shabarshan Lodge. And uh, because of my involvement within the community, especially at St. John, I was aware of um, that there was this group, the secret group out there called the Knights of Vartan. But, and, but we weren't aware at the time exactly what they were up to. So my curiosity was quite piqued as to what these people were doing. Eventually I learned what their, their, not their, well, necessarily their programs were about. And uh, that's what prompted me to join when I was asked. We have a great organization. It works for the, the cause of helping fellow Armenians across the world. Our both our college and our OTAG does just that. We are um, committed to this program. Each of our members are, and uh, it's something I'm proud to be a member of. Dita Elisa, what about you? What inspired you to join the Daughters and later to become, at a very young age, the Didui of the Zabel Otiag? Well, I'd like to say that there was never any thought of not being part of the Daughters of Vartan. 
at being third generation, I spent the first 21 years counting down until I could join. So that day was something I had been looking forward to pretty much my entire life. You've been exposed Uh, to it since childhood though, right? Absolutely. My parents used to take me to all of the events, all the convocations, our pre-dinner meetings. I would be at the picnics, uh, any of the charitable donation fundraisers that they had had. um, I was always there. They used to call me the mascot of the Daughters of Vartan. It was taught to me at a very young age that loyalty and commitment was very important and we should serve our community. With my grandparents being genocide survivors, they cherished the home that they had created here in Michigan and the Armenian community that was developed. So without these organizations, I don't think that we would have such a strong community, which gives me that inspiration and that duty to really contribute and keep that tradition going on. So joining the daughters and then taking on leadership when my Otiag needed a leader was no question for me. Spotabed, what inspired you to want to become the leader of your Talish? Good question. I honestly, um, I had been in the organization for nearly 10 years at the point where I had decided to become, uh, well, not necessarily decided, but I was asked to become uh, a member of the T-Ron. And um, as I grew into the, those various positions, um, it became a, uh, very apparent to me that uh, I needed to take on a more of a leadership role. I wanted to take the organization into a new realm. You know, every lodge is different in their own way, whether it be the number of members, the age of the members, or where they're from, or, or any of that, or the projects that they're involved in. But what do you think is so unique about the men of the Knights of Vartan of Nareg Shavarshan Lodge? Well, uh, I would say it's its membership in general. Our lodge has produced five mocking avaxparavids. So therefore, our composition of our membership is uh, individuals of high caliber. They're capable of handling these types of tasks. Uh, so this is what's unique about our lodge. We tend to uh, develop leaders out of our lodge and then we move forward into the executive role of this organization. Dearly, Lisa, tell me about what is unique about the women of Zabel Otiag. Well, I would say our uniqueness comes from our membership as well. We have this opportunity of having multiple generations that have joined the Zabel Otiag. So you may come to a meeting and we have four generations present. Uh, We've been lucky enough to initiate members with their mothers, grandmothers, and great-grandmothers to bear witness and and contribute to our ceremonies. So I would say that it's very emotional and, and heartwarming to see those generations and having those legacies. And to piggyback off of uh, Sparber Hazar, we also have had great leadership come from the Zabel Otiag. We've also had five Avak Diruis. And I would say that that leadership coming from Zabel really initiates leadership within many other organizations in our community. So I, I would say that the ones that have taken those roles have 
have been very active throughout our Metro Detroit area. And speaking of generations, you celebrated all of those generations, uh, both of your groups, um, very recently with a, a really huge party. And it sounded like uh, everybody who was there had a great time. And tell us what the the reason for the party was. Uh, did we all start with you? And it, it sounds like everybody who was there had a great time, but you were a couple of major milestones there. Absolutely. So we had celebrated the ninth centennial. So a hundred years and Zabel Otiag had celebrated their 70th year. So this was uh, an event that we collaborated on to celebrate not only our existence, but our traditions and hopefully be able to bring more people into the community and to join. Uh, we had done the event in Livonia, which was pretty central to all of the Armenians within the Metro Detroit area. So I think we had a pretty good turnout. Uh, we had great music, great food, and um, it was a very good time. We're talking with Didui Lisa Aglamishian and Spotabed Kazar Terterian. They are from, respectively, Nahik Shavashan number 6 and Zabel Otiag number 12 in the Detroit, Michigan area. And uh, again, as we said, uh, both uh, lodges just celebrated major milestones, a centennial for Nadeg Shavarshan and the 70th birthday for Zabil Otiag number nine. And both of them, you'll recall, uh, just uh, a year and a half ago, hosted the 2018 Grand Convocation in Dearborn, which was a ton of fun. That was actually my very first convocation and uh, thoroughly enjoyable. Let's talk a little bit about some of the different projects that uh, both of your groups have been involved in uh, either over the years or at the current time and uh, what they are that are important to you. And are they projects that are done here? Are they specifically for the aimed at the Armenian community here in your case, Michigan, or are there also some projects that have been or are being worked on in Armenia? Spotted, let me start with you. Well, our projects uh, are uh, not only for here in the U.S., but they are also for Armenian across the world. I mean, we are, as an organization, for the last hundred years, we have been supporting Armenians throughout the world in many different ways. Um, most recently, um, last year, for example, we renovated uh, an elementary school in Yerevan, Armenia, called Knights of Barton number 106. Mm-hmm. Uh, there we renovated the entire gym. If you had looked at the gym floor, it looked like a roller coaster. The walls were pitted. Yeah. I mean, the painting, uh, the ceiling was bad shape. The windows needed repair. I remember there were some pictures of that that were posted on the Knights and Daughters of Vartan Facebook page. And uh, they were, yeah, it was quite a quite a change from how it was to how it is. Yeah, it was a completely brand new room. Uh, the uh, Everything was stripped clean from all the ceilings and the floor. Uh, the floor was a gravel floor. It had a water leak. It was a, a water line underneath the, the gym floor. That had to be redone. And the, the entire gravel uh, flooring of that room was covered with cement. And then we started with the putting up the, the wooden boards for the... Uh, gym itself, and then we went from there with all new lighting, windows, paint. So it looks like a brand new gym. 
Have you had a chance um, yourself to be over there and see that your, with your own eyes, or have you just seen the work done through photographs? Have you had a chance I to see? Uh, I hope to one day to travel there myself again, uh, near future to see that room myself. Uh, our our college again will be addressing that same school this year. Uh, is our hope that we can again address that school in the way it needs to in the, to help to bring it to a standard it needs to be, such as it needs all the windows throughout the complex. Uh, the electrical system needs to be upgraded. The auditorium needs some repair, and so we're going to do some general maintenance on that building. So that's this year's project. Mm-hmm. But our projects have covered many areas uh, throughout uh, our time. Floor project, the um, we did the water project. I think the year before through AGBU, as well with you. And what was that about? I know that we had given aid to create a, a watering system uh, for sanitation. Was this at the same school or was this, or was this at a different? It was not. It was, it was not. a different year. A different no. facility. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So. Yeah, Habitat for Humanity, we've been involved with uh, both groups. I mean, our, both our organizations have been very, very involved with uh, these types of projects over the course of the time that both of our launches have been in existence. We have, we estimated that we have given over a million dollars in aid to the Armenian community. How it's wonderful is that? Organizations here out of Detroit. That's extraordinary. That's something you should all be very, very, very proud of. Given the geography of, of where you are and, and how you are all working so closely together, tell me about the collaboration. Um, first of all, is there a lot of collaboration between the Knights and the Daughters on, on various uh, either projects and or events or... Do you, in fact, in any way collaborate with other Otiag's ontologies, which I would think would be rather difficult because of geography? Did we let me start with you? Sure. I would absolutely think that we collaborate with uh, Narg Shavarshan. I think we have an extremely close and warm relationship. Um, we work together to further our goals and we work on many projects together, both domestic and internationally. We have joint dinners every month. Uh, We do lectures together, cultural and educational programs. We have an annual picnic and uh, children's Christmas party that we do together. So I would say that we're we're very close and we collaborate very well together. In regards to collaborating with other Otiags, I I would say no, I I don't think we do. It, It is very hard since we're so far apart. Uh, mm-hmm. We would have to go throughout state. Spot a bit. It sounds like you and the daughters, the knights and the daughters in uh, the Detroit area, uh, not only get along very well, which one would certainly expect, but you you work well together, and uh, that sense of cooperation seems to be uh, evident in just about every facet of of the lodge's existence. Is that right? I agree wholeheartedly with uh, Dittery Lisa. What she noted, uh, we have a very collaborative. Uh, uh, Mutual, along with mutual respect for one another. Uh, we work together very well. Uh, if it weren't for the, uh, the ladies group in our area, I would, our, our, our college would not be as successful. It takes both groups to be successful. We help one another out. 
uh, our programs are designed in such a way that in many times, many times we need one another in order for it to work well. Let us talk for a moment about Armenia itself. Um, we were speaking briefly just before we went on the air about uh, who has been to Armenia and how many times. And although both of you have been there, um, Didu Elisa, you've been there one time, and uh, Spotabed Kazar, you have been there four times. Is that correct? This is true. What is? Uh, has it been over I mean, a long period of time, or were these four trips all fairly close together? It's over a very long period of time. It's practically my entire life, uh, being quite honest. My first visit to Hayastan was in 1968. I was 14 years of age at the time. We were the first American Armenians to travel to Armenia. There were two representatives from um, across the country from each of the major cities. There were 16 of us in total. There were two from Detroit, two from Boston, two uh, from Watertown, two from, I think, Los Angeles. But there were um, there was 12 girls and there were four boys in the group. That was an interesting mixture in itself. Um, when we got to Armenia, we were met with by other Armenians of our own age. Uh, between the ages of 14 and, say, 17 years of age. They were from Ethiopia, uh, from France, and from England. Um, and we spent six weeks there uh, touring the countryside. Uh, and it was much, much different than it is today. What's been the biggest that. change for you? What has been, in your opinion, the biggest change that has occurred in Armenia in all of the years that you've been traveling there? Wow, that's such a question. That's something else. Um, the people at the time were living well, even though they were under Soviet rule. However, uh, there were many, many restrictions. There were limitations on the availability of bread and cheese and butter. Everything. Everyone was standing in lines. Uh, so the lines did exist at the time um, to get a phone installed in your home, my uncle had to um, register his son when he was born as an infant uh, so that when he became possibly 26 years of age, he would the phone would be installed in their home. So it would take over 20 years before the phone could be installed in their home. So long-range planning. Involved yeah, I'll say. Part. 25 years? Uh, yeah, that's pretty long-range. Yes, uh, the roads were much uh, different, uh, especially when you went to um, Gumiri. Uh, it was a different route. Uh, you had to go through the mountains. Uh, it was a winding serpentine road, and uh, we were on a school bus. And the school bus would, uh, there's only enough room on that road for just a vehicle, let alone two. And when another vehicle came in the other direction, and we were on the outside edge, the school bus was right on the very edge of the road, and down below, you can see like 100, 200 feet down below you is the uh, the sides. So uh, uh, it was an interesting trip, and we made that trip a number of times up and down through that serpentine road. When was the last time you visited Armenia? 2017. And did we, you've been there once. What was that a uh, for pleasure or for business or what was the reason that brought you to Hayastan? Well, uh, unfortunately, my father passed away in 2007. I'm terribly so sorry. 
Okay. Uh, when he was diagnosed with stage four cancer, he wanted me to go to Armenia with or without him. So in 2005, he coordinated a plan to get me there with some cousins and I went there to visit the homeland. So it was just something that my parents really valued and wanted me to see while he was still alive. Did you have any misconceptions so, about what you would see there that perhaps were uh, completely dashed once you got there? I think I definitely had some culture shock when I went. I, I was also 17 when I had gone and I was with some cousins. So I'll say that it was still I could tell that it had a Soviet experience when I was there. I could definitely tell that uh, it was a communist country before. So I think that was the most surprising for me since I had always grown up here. I think it was very different from everything I had ever, had ever seen. Is it a trip that you, in your own opinion, think that every Armenian should make at least once in their life? Absolutely. Definitely. I think it's extremely important to see where we had come from and, and really support the country. I definitely looking forward to going again, uh, hopefully after I welcome a new addition to the family. Oh. I know my husband, we were talking our first trip, hopefully with the new baby would be going to Armenia. I, I beg your pardon. I did not know that. Is it you are expecting now or did you just have a child? I am expecting now. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. She is actually due during the next convocation. <laughs> oh, so we won't be seeing you in uh, Glendale this summer then. I know. Unfortunately, I will most likely not make it. Well, I think you've got a pretty good excuse not to be there, though. You know, <laughs> I really, really do. Well, my congratulations to you and your husband on uh, on the child that uh, you will be you. soon be welcoming into this world. And uh, Spotted, let me ask you the same question, not about babies, mind you, but about the necessity, do you think, of, of people who are able to, to go to Armenia at least once, if not more than that, to see the homeland? And I, let me just preface that by saying I went for the very first time in 2011, and uh, I was, you know, much older, um, certainly much older than Didu Elisa is uh, even now. And it was a life changer for me because I had no idea what to expect. And it was just, it was probably the best foreign trip that I had ever taken. And I have wanted to go back ever since. I did go back once for like two days, but, but now I'm going to go on the Veritas Heidenik uh, trip this September. And I'm so looking forward to it. But do you think it is something that everybody should do if they can? Oh, absolutely. I have been advocating that every, each and every Armenian should travel to Hayastan since I returned from my first trip. It's extremely important that each person sees with their own eyes the land in which their ancestors came from. Uh, they can, when I arrived in Hayastan for the first time, I felt for the first time in my life I was actually home. I have always a uh, uh, felt that this I was in a foreign place, and when I arrived in Hayastan, I actually thought I was home. And this is uh, it is our homeland, and we need to support it. And uh, I encourage it very, very strongly. Um, for example, in 2017, I took my entire family there 
because um, I believe in that they should, my, youngs, my two youngsters should see that, see their country. And my son had, I had encouraged him very strongly to um, do his Eagle Project as a Boy Scout uh, and something to do with Armenian, in Armenia. And so he elected to do uh, his project, uh, his, excuse me, let me back up. His, uh, his Eagle Scout project was to help the orphans at the Turchunian Orphanage that's located in Gumidi, uh, Armenia. And so we traveled to uh, Gumidi for a specific purpose. He took a number of items from here. He raised $1,600. Uh, by collecting pop cans and donations, and we took uh, various personal health-related items, and um, and we bought some uh, kid stuff, you know, uh, toys, games, yes, some uh, scooters, things that, that would make the kids happy. And then uh, for the older uh, youngsters at the school, uh, my son took them all out for dinner, and uh, we asked them. <laughs> It brings a smile to my face when I think about it. We asked them, where do you want to go? And they immediately, unanimously, the youngsters said they wanted to go to a pizza park. Oh, okay. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we took them to the, the uh, local pizza parlor that they had chosen, and we had a great evening that day. It was, it was uh, a very, very nice day. So to answer your question, yes. Again, each and every Armenian should do their best to travel the highest on, and you will come back a changed person. What are your hopes for the future of the Detroit area lodge and, and, and Otyag? How, what would you like to see happen to uh, continue or to improve upon what you are already doing there right now? And Dita Lisa, let me start with you. I think improvement would be something that I would hope for. Um, I really would love to see a lot of younger people getting involved in the organization and the people that are involved. I would really like to see more getting involved that have not been. Uh, normally, we have the same people that are always volunteering for chairing events and starting our committees. And I would like to see the people that don't usually raise their hand and volunteer to help out because our organizations are getting older and older. And the only way that we're going to still be around for another 70 years is going to be able to have the daughters and granddaughters that are joining to become more active. So that's what I would like to see. And Spotabed, what about you? What would you like to see uh, in the next few years occurring in Detroit with the lodges and the Otyaks? I have uh, similar sentiments as did we just noted. Um, we would like to see the youth of our com our community to please step up to the plate and to take charge. The current generation is running the lodge as well as the former generation. Uh, we have established and put a in place a very strong, healthy lodge, and but we need them to step forward and to take charge and to move this organization belong uh, because as Dary Lisa noted, many of our volunteers are uh, becoming older and they're retired. It's always the same people basically that are stepping up to the plate. And 
we are trying our best to encourage the youth of our community to uh, become members and to be active uh, participants uh, in the organization. And the thing is, there's so much, I think you'll both agree with me, that there's just so much that everybody can do. You know, it's not, it doesn't have to be the same people all the time. Correct. And my personal opinion, and I've only been in the Knights of Vartan for just over two years, anybody who wants to contribute can. And because of the fact that, you know, as we've said, we it's such a diverse group of people that are in both our organizations, the Knights and the Daughters, it's not only a matter of wanting to do something, it's being able to help in a way that perhaps others could not because of certain skills that people have or their own particular background. You know, one of the things I did when I joined was I said, well, listen, let me, I would like to help chronicle what we are doing here. And, you know, I'm a photographer, I'm a videographer, I'm a, I'm a voiceover actor. And, and so my, that's my field. And so I said, you know, let me help to bring about uh, a better record of what we are doing and uh, then that, of course, wound up uh, with my being the photographer at the last two convocations, which was a lot of fun. But there's something for everybody to do if they want to do it. I mean, the need is there. And wouldn't you both agree that, uh, you know, the people in our community are certainly um, skilled enough and, and dedicated enough that uh, if they want to help, they can. Absolutely. I can agree with that, but I also think that we have an opportunity to really change our approach. So I think with times, we need to move forward. So I definitely would like to see people using their skills to update our events, update our outreach, and really make more opportunities for these younger members to really thrive and and use those skills that you've mentioned. Spot a bit? Well, uh, we're trying our best as a college to do that. Um, for example, uh, next month, um, we are offering for the first time a leadership training seminar. Uh, there'll be four hours of instruction. This is the same type of seminar or leadership uh, training that you would receive uh, if you were at uh, an executive role at a major corporation. And then the, the executives are generally, uh, what those firms do, they send their executives to a uh, course in which they're charged about 1500 to $3,000 a person to attend for about six days. I have the same course materials. I have the similar instructor. And we're offering this for free to our entire community, both young and old. And um, it's, I mean, it's my hopes that our youth of our community especially take advantage of this uh, these set of classes is going to help them per- both professionally as well as um, here personally and their roles as community leaders. But after all, they're going to inherit everything that we have here. They're going to inherit the, our churches, our cultural centers, museums, they will be the next set of leaders and they need to be trained how to be effective leaders. Um, and it's best that they do get that training early on rather than through necessarily through the, as they say, the school of hard knocks. If you can get some tips early on in life, it's, it's much, much simpler for you later. 
Well, let's, I agree. let's hope you have a great turnout for that event. Yeah, after this, we just look forward to the convocation. And then we Correct. have a picnic at the end of the summer, usually. Uh, we were also we were thinking about doing uh, changing up our picnic strategy this year. We were to host it at uh, Alex and Marie Manugian uh, Armenian Old Age Home. Uh, and, uh, and we were going to have it hosted there with the residents and both uh, the colleges, well, the old job will, will be there. And so uh, rather than having in, in September, early September, we're going to move it up into the month of May. Sounds like uh, we a- thought we'd change it up a little bit and, uh, and get involved with uh, doing an old-fashioned Armenian picnic as we used to do many years ago. Oh, yeah. And it sounds like a great idea. That really does sound like a, a terrific idea. And I would encourage each and every member of both the Otiaks as well as the colleges that they encourage the youth of their respective families to join the organization. It's not simply for the older folks, it's for everyone. And they and everyone benefits from being a member of this, of this organization. It has so much that it can offer that um, it truly is a great organization. The, the, the brotherly love, the share that each, each, each and every person has for one another and uh, how we get along with the uh, one another. It's, it's just a beautiful group. I don't see this in many other organizations. And um, that's one of a kind, and that's why I encourage it so much that people join. Do you do anything you'd like to add? I would definitely agree with Swadabed that this organization is very unique and that I would like to urge our, our sisters to join because you're not going to have an opportunity like this or have a sisterhood like this. The the closeness is, is very unique and it's very rewarding. My very special thanks to Dirui Lisa Aglamishian and Spotabed Kazar Terterian for taking the time to visit with us. And very best wishes to both Dirui Lisa and her husband as they prepare to welcome their first child into the world. And a big talking vartan tip of the hat to all of our brother and sister knights and daughters in the Detroit area. Keep up the great work and we'll see you in Glendale this summer. Speaking of Glendale, I hope you've booked your room for this summer's Grand Convocation in Glendale, California. It's the highway to L.A. and the dates are July 14th through the 19th. It's all happening at the beautiful Hilton, Los Angeles in Glendale. It's the heart of California's Armenian community. You'll want the special Knights and Daughters of Vartan rate and it is so easy to book. Just go to our Knights and Daughters of Vartan website at kofv.org. Go to the main pull-down menu on the homepage and click on Grand Convocation 2020. At the bottom of the page, you will see the link where you can click for reservations. Do it now because the rooms are going fast. Bring the family, come early, and stay longer because there's so much to see and do. Our hosts will be the Knights of the Ardas, Revont, and Sevan Lodges, along with the daughters of the Navart, Vartani, and Gayane Otiags. Grand Convocation 2020, it's just over four months away, so book now, and I hope I'll see you there. I also hope to see you in Armenia this September for Veratats Haidenik 5, Return to the Homeland, the annual pilgrimage of the Knights and Daughters of Vartan to Armenia. This year is going to be extra special as we're also visiting Artsakh for the very first time as part of this event, 
The Artsakh visit is an optional trip, not part of the main itinerary, but I hope you'll join us there as well. We'll be visiting Lake Sevan, the Noraduz Cross Stone site, the Dadivank, Tatev and Hodvira monasteries, the city of Shushi, the cave at Arani, and we'll take an aerial tramway with some breathtaking views. The Yerevan portion of the trip will include a visit to the Genocide Memorial, the Holy See of Etchmiadzin, ancient Armenian churches, and the Sakmosavank and Hargatsin monasteries, as well as Knights and Daughters project sites in Yerevan, Tavush, and Aparan. There'll also be time, of course, for some R&R at Lake Sevan of all places and plenty of fun during our many social gatherings. The Artsakh visit will be from September 17th through the 19th and the Yerevan portion of the trip will take place from September 20th through the 27th. Now, the Marriott Hotel in Republic Square has a limited number of available rooms, in fact, only 10 at a substantially reduced rate for the knights and daughters of Vartan, so you will want to book as soon as you can if you would like to stay there. That is our headquarters, so to speak, for this trip. The deadline to book your room at the Marriott is May the 31st, but keep in mind they may be sold out by then due to the limited number of available rooms, so best to book now if that's where you'd like to stay. Now, there are also other fine hotels very close to the Marriott, and if you can, of course, stay there as well. But just know that the buses each day will leave from the Marriott, so you will need to be there on time for that. Check online for an email from Communications Liaison Koharpalian, which has all of the information you're going to need for Veritas Heidenik 5, including a link where you can register for the trip itself. Now, this is not to be confused with booking your hotel. That's a separate link. This link will register you and anyone accompanying you for the trip itself. Veratat's Heidenik 5 return to the homeland this September. I've already booked my flight. In fact, I'll be in Armenia for nearly five weeks this fall, and I've registered online. I hope very much to see you there, both in Yerevan and in Artsakh, this fall. I hope you'll go online often and check our Knights and Daughters of Vartan Facebook page. That's where you get the very latest information about activities in all of our lodges and otyags, along with photographs submitted by our members here in the States and by our fine liaison Koharpalian in Armenia. So check it out and check it often. You can also follow the Knights and Daughters of Vartan on Instagram and on Twitter. The website at kofv.org is, of course, the definitive resource for all things dealing with the Knights and Daughters of Vartan, so check that out as well. Well, I can't believe it's been an entire year since we began the Talking Vartan podcast and that this is already our 12th episode. There's so much that we're going to be covering this year. We'll, of course, meet the men and women of our lodges and otyags across the United States, and we'll have special coverage from the Times Square Genocide Commemoration in April, the Grand Convocation in Glendale this July, and, of course, during Veritas Heidenik this September. You can always find our podcasts for listening and for download on the Talking Vartan Facebook page, the Knights and Daughters of Vartan Facebook page and website, as well as iTunes and SoundCloud. Special thanks, as always, to Mal Barsamian for our theme music, Lorki Lorki, from his album One Take, Armenian Dance Songs. Talking Vartan, the Knights and Daughters of Vartan podcast, is the exclusive property of the Knights and Daughters of Vartan and Osped David Medzorian. Any broadcast, distribution, or other use of this podcast without the expressed written permission of both parties is prohibited. It was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who said that everybody can be great because everybody can serve. Thank you for your service to the Knights and Daughters of Vartan. I'm Osped David Medzorian of Ararat Lodge No. 1 in Boston. Sedesutyun. <laughs>